Welcome to the Peace Church D Group Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Perry, the mobilization pastor and D Group leader at Peace Church. I'm here with Aaron Pierce, our multiplication pastor and leader of our discipleship ministry. This podcast is a resource to encourage, equip, and empower D Group leaders to lead their D Groups well. Welcome back to the Peace D Group Leaders Podcast. Uh, this is episode 22, and it's going to be part one of a two-part series uh, going over the stages of spiritual maturity. So this is uh, really important for us because uh, you will have people together in your group who are all over the place uh, and on different levels of spiritual maturity and growth. So it's important to kind of understand each level of spiritual maturity so that you can better help them and meet their needs. Also, Understanding the stages of spiritual maturity also helps you know how to best equip each member of your group based on what their struggles uh, could be. So Aaron, if you would, as we kick off this uh, series on spiritual maturity, just kind of walk us through what the different stages of spiritual maturity are. So as we talk through this, just to kind of give some precursor stuff to talk, give some boundaries and kind of explain what we mean, is we are going to use our physical stages Um, as an analogy to think about spiritual growth. So I say that because obviously, you know, it's not like there's this part of the Bible where it says, here's the five stages of spiritual growth. However, we do actually see at different times using the term like a spiritual infant or a spiritual child to reference um, where somebody is. And so we want to use that as an analogy and a tool to help us better understand how to meet the needs of our people. And so I just want to clarify and also just to give credit so we don't look like we're plagiarizing. This is not original with us. This actually comes from a network that we're a part of called the Relational Discipleship Network. RDN! Shout out! <laughs> and so they developed this process and we've walked through it as a staff and I think it's really helpful and be helpful for you. So let's j- dive in. There are five actual stages of spiritual um, or five, spa- sorry, five different stages of spiritual life, but we are talking about spiritual maturity from the believer, so we're going to cover four because the first stage is dead. Um, and as you know, a dead person is not a believer since there's no life. And so for discipleship purposes, we're going to cover the stages once they make a decision to follow Christ. So with that said, the first stage um, is the infant. So what we're going to do with each of these, by the way, is cover characteristics, go over their needs, and kind of give examples of how you know where they're at. So um, first stage is that spiritual infant. So Brad, help us think through, like, you've, you've now raised two kids. And, so and using, you've got an infant at home now, so I've already forgotten everything. It's been it's nine true. years since I've had an infant at home, but let me see if I can remember correctly <laughs> what it was like. Tell me what words you would use to describe your kids in the infant stage. Very needy. Yeah. Can't take care of themselves, poop everywhere, <laughs> cry a lot, yeah, you know, absolutely. basically Aaron Pierce. <laughs> it's every day, and every week in staff meeting. Yeah, right? So think of those things we mentioned, right, as an infant. And you're, you're thinking really like, you know, less than a year old right. kind of stage, right? So thinking through characteristics, we kind of mentioned it, but an, a spiritual infant's completely dependent. Um, they're needy, they, and it's not their fault. So I, just to clarify, too, um, on this, you can be at any stage spiritually regardless of what physical age you are. You could have a person who's been a Christian for 60 years and never become more than a spiritual infant. In fact, Hebrews tells us something in that scenario. And so well, just to clarify that, and so when we say spiritual infant, we're saying like a physical infant, they're completely dependent and needy. Right, A spiritual infant, they just got saved. They just made a decision or they never grew past it, and they don't know 
how to feed themselves. They don't know how to pray. They don't know how to read the Bible. They're completely confused. Um, you know, you mentioned poopy diapers, right? But honestly, like spiritual infants are very messy. They don't understand how to think about their life from a Christian perspective. They struggle to put it all together, right? And so that's what we see in the spiritual infant. And I think another good one to, to give is they're confused. Just like an infant, I mean, <laughs> like my son right now, if we're not in the room, like we leave the room, he gets super fussy. He's just mm-hmm. confused. He doesn't understand the world around him. Um, the other day, he was shaking his rather and hit himself in the head, which, in fairness, it's my son, so what do you expect, right? And he hit himself in the head and then looked at us like, what are you doing? And I'm like, it was your fault. <laughs> like, you did it. Right? He doesn't understand, right? He, and it's the same way with the spiritual infant. They're completely confused. And so because of that, um, let's think through some needs that a spiritual infant might have. So um, when you think about things like, we're going to just kind of name them and talk through them. So some needs of, is focused care. So the infant needing focused care, um, Brad, let's talk through an example of this. You and I both recently, and others too at our church, we've been seeing people get saved in starting point, make decisions to follow Jesus. And some of them come from either they're very new to church or it's been a while since they've been in church and they just don't know a lot. They're definitely spiritual infants. And so how does that play out when it comes to giving them focused attention? Why why is it important that we meet with them one-on-one versus, say, a group setting? Yeah, I think one is for an infant, they've probably never, ever even read the Bible before or definitely have never read it on their own and studied it on their own. And that's one of the things we want to train them up to be able to do. Um, but you know, just think about it. we got to kind of we got to spiritually feed them just like you do an infant, and so if they're in a group setting and they're confused, uh, like you said, you know, infants often are like more than likely they're probably not going to feel very comfortable if they're in a group, especially if they're in a, a group with someone that's got that's a little bit further on that spiritual maturity level. They're probably going to feel a little out of place and won't bring that up. So, you know, for example, I was working with a guy. And, you know, studying the Bible for the first time and we're reading through some of the Old Testament. He's like, dude, I'm trying to figure this Abraham guy out. Like, is Abraham a good guy or is he a bad guy? You know, and so, you know, for us, like I said, you just laugh because it's like, okay, we all, you know, Father Abraham and many sons. Many, you know, we know about Father Abraham. Um, but this guy didn't. And so I think with that one-on-one setting, it, it gives him a whole lot of freedom to just say, look, I don't understand this. I don't understand that. And just absolutely no judgment. And they don't feel... Um, you know, inferior to the rest of the group. No, oh, that's really good. And the reason, right, is because he is an infant, there's that confusion, the messiness maybe even still of their life. They need that focused care to help them address the specific needs that are coming up in their life. Just in the same way, um, when you have infants, this is why Courtney and I joked about this the other night, you know, my son is five months old right now, and we were thinking, man, I can't imagine people who have twins or triplets like dealing with multiple little kids at the same time because it's overwhelming just focusing on one. And so you think about that analogy when it comes to discipleship. If you have a group of infants, it's going to be hard for them to really get the most that they could out of that experience because you can't give them the individual attention that they need. And this is why we say even at our church, we still use one-on-one discipleship and we even have a starting point study. It's a very basic foundational study to kind of walk them through to help give them the basics. And I know this is a D group podcast, but I'm saying you may have somebody quit out of your group, not because they're uncommitted, but because it's overwhelming. They may be a spiritual infant who's not ready to do hear journals because they don't even understand the Bible or 
just that commitment is too much for them, and it's not out of laziness. They genuinely are struggling, and so maybe that one-on-one is where they need to be. And so we're telling you all this up front because um, knowing where they are spiritually will help you say, you know what, this person probably needs one-on-one because they're still in that infant stage figuring things out. And so you look at some of the other needs, like love and support, someone to help clean up their messes and walk them through things, and then just helping feed, helping them feed spiritually, that takes so much time, whereas the, the D group is allowing people who kind of already know those things to get disciplined with it. So where the infant needs more, they don't need discipline, they just need complete help. And so that's where you're probably going to see that play out and why we would you know push towards that one-on-one to answer those questions. Common phrases, by the way, and we'll do this with all these um, stages, is that common phrases, we say, reveal the state of the heart. Right. Jesus said very clearly, out of that mouth, the heart speaks. And so when you hear what people say, you get a glimpse of understanding they have about spiritual things. So common things you hear an infant say might be, you know, I believe in God, but I don't really need his church. Or my church is the woods when I spend time with God. Or, you know, I believe Jesus is God, but I also believe there's other ways. You know, those are things that they may have believed Jesus is the Savior, but they're still trying to figure out how does other religions fit. And all of these things are very new. Um, Oftentimes, there may be that confusion, or they may just say, I thought I had to bow my head and get on my knees when I pray, right? Like very basic things we take for granted who are more mature um, that they're still learning. And so that's, that's the infant stage. The second stage is spiritual child. So for the analogy's sake, think of somebody that's like early elementary age, um, Brad, you actually have this age now. Mm-hmm. Well, one of your daughters, at least, is in that stage. So what are some things you see in them, like just in terms of what a child is like? Yeah, so obviously um, they're not as dependent. They can start doing things. They can dress themselves. Uh, they can feed themselves. Um, I don't have to change diapers anymore, thank <laughs> the good Lord. I can't wait for um, that day. <laughs> I know, right, for sure. I'm telling you, man, it, it, it's, a, it's a huge blessing for sure. They can buckle their own seatbelt. Like, I'm telling you. I remember that was one of the coolest stages as a parent. I was like, I did not have to buckle my kid in the car. This is amazing, you know. <laughs> but they can, they're, they're beginning to take care of themselves. Yeah, no, that's good. And so think about what you just shared, Brad, and let's use spiritual analogies. You do see a spiritual child, some of the markers, characteristics of them, they begin to gain some level of independence. Like you shared, you don't have to do everything for the child. But here's some of the caveats to that is they are able to feed themselves, but you don't want them to make the the choice necessarily. So example of that, <laughs> there was one morning when Adriana was probably four or five years old, and she got up in the morning and fixed herself breakfast. Uh, before I got up, I said, you fixed yourself breakfast? She was like, yeah. I said, what would you have for breakfast? A bag of M&Ms. <laughs> <laughs> Not the, the, the highest quality of a breakfast. She took care of herself. She fed herself, but it wasn't very good quality. <laughs> and some of you listening are like, that actually sounds like a great idea. Right. I could totally go for that. Um, no, that's a good example, right? And so it's not that she couldn't feed herself. It's that she's still learning how to what to feed. In the same way spiritually, they actually might know how to pray or some basics of prayer and how to read the Scripture, but they're making poor choices on what to do. They might listen to teachers or preachers that are teaching really off-base things because they don't know how to discern. They know they need teaching. They just don't know how to discern some things, or they might fall into the traps of certain things like prosperity gospel or things like that, not because they're totally incapable, but because they don't know how to filter that out yet. Um, another neat or characteristic, I should say, is they're very curious. 
right? Like children naturally ask a lot of questions. They want to learn. And a spiritual child, when their heart is soft, same way. Like sometimes you hear these state, these characteristics, you think negative things, but this is a good thing. Like a lot of children are very teachable um, in the same way spiritual children can be when God works on their heart teachable. And lastly, this is probably the, one of the biggest markers. Children are very selfish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like They want what they want now. They don't want to share. It's, it's all about them. And when we talk about a physical child, you don't blame them because they haven't learned that yet. So I want you guys to think how many times have you been to church and you've met people who might be physically older but spiritually child still in that state, and you just see selfishness. And, man, isn't it true we see selfishness all throughout the church? Can you give us some examples of, like, and it may be coming up in the talk already, but, like, the phrases that kind of indicate that selfish spirit of a of a, a toddler or what is it, spiritual child? Sorry. Spiritual child, yeah. No, you're right. Um, so, like, good examples would be, so let's think we're in um, D Group's podcast right here. So let's think D Group or Life Group setting. They would say something to the effect of, I really enjoy my group. Don't add any more people to it. Mm. Right? It's They see the benefit of it. So they're not in the infant stage. They don't understand it. They see it, but then they don't want to add people. They're thinking only about their comfort, not about how would this impact other people if we brought more in. Or you think of things like, you know, I don't like my church anymore. They don't do what I want it to do. Look, we've all been there. I mean, let's be honest. I've had moments where growing up in churches that some things changed, and so that's always difficult. But if it is literally, I don't care about what God is calling them to do or what the results are, if people are getting saved or not, I want what I want. That sort of mentality reveals a childish heart in the sense of the selfishness that's bent towards. Um, and a, another big one, this isn't as much a phrase as it is an attitude of they value comfort over surrender. They want to do what's comfortable. They don't want to be pushed too hard because as children are in real life, you know, they, you, you oftentimes have to discipline them and push them further because they want to stay in their comfort zone. Which brings us to the last part of today's episode, and that is just the needs of a spiritual child. So given those characteristics, man, they need discipline, right? I mean, um, sure. you, would, you know this, like from having two girls, you've got to discipline. If you don't discipline them, it's not that you're doing it out of harm. You're doing it to help them. In the same way, spiritually, you're not calling them out on things or pointing them to truth to be mean or judgmental. You're doing it so that you literally help their soul grow. And so a spiritual child needs discipline. They may know they're supposed to read the Bible and pray, but nobody's held them accountable. And so you, as the discipleship group leader, your job is to help them step into those discipline and practices. You think about guidance and their choices, right? So you might have people in your group that are struggling with life decisions or what to do, and you're providing the guidance. They're independent enough to make it, but you're guiding them in the same way you would a child. Um, you think about the big one to combat selfishness is socialization and relationships. So this is why we would put a spiritual child in a D group and not one-on-one. One-on-one might be beneficial to an extent, but they're still getting all of your attention. Your meetings are about them. If you put them in a group, they now have to learn how to do life with other people who have needs, who have burdens, who have hurts, and it helps them think outside of themselves, which is why the D group is so valuable beyond what you're doing. It's valuable by the relationships that form. And so in that sense, you help them overcome their selfishness and think others and not themselves. And lastly, the biggest need, another need, is they need lower opportunities to serve. It's not that you don't let them serve at all. Um, but you'd also not let them lead something that's a higher maturity. You know, you wouldn't have a spiritual child be the senior pastor. 
I'm not saying that there aren't examples of that happening, right? And you see the results of churches collapse because of that. Um, but you wouldn't want them to have high-level leaderships. Give them lower-level, simple opportunities, and that is some of the needs that you would have of a spiritual child. So with that said, when it comes to spiritual child, um, we mentioned a couple common phrases, just a couple more examples. We talked about group is you want to see the progress move from me thinking to others thinking. And so one of the ways that happens in your D group is you've got to be intentional to invest in that child, giving them some opportunities, maybe even within your group to lead so that they begin to build a heart and a burden for other people. And so when they start saying things like, I want to lead, that's when you've seen that progression, just like with your own child when they start wanting to do what's right and you're not into disciplining them to do it, that's when you can see the maturity. And in that way, you kind of round that out. And so that sums up the spiritual infant and spiritual child stage um, that we'll cover in this first part. Awesome. So that was the first part of going through the stages of spiritual of spiritual maturity. That would be the infant and also the spiritual child. So uh, we look forward to uh, joining you all next week as we continue on our talk about the stages of spiritual maturity. Uh, we'll talk about the spiritual young adult and then the spiritual parent. Thank you for joining us. We out.